All right. How many of you guys are ready for the word today? Come on. The life-changing word of God. We're so grateful to be here. We are going to enter, uh, uh, end a series today called Paparazzi that we've been in over the past several weeks. We've been going through the book of James. So you can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles to James chapter 5 today. James chapter 5 today. As you're doing that, got a couple things I just want to let you know about. One is a reiterate. I want to reiterate something. And the other one is I want to let you know. So we've been, we started on Wednesday this thing called a uh, uh, 21 days of prayer. And so we've been doing that every day uh, for the past uh, several days, and, and we'll end on the 21st of September, and we meet right here every weekday morning from 6 to 7 a.m., and on Saturdays from 9 to 10 a.m., and uh, we just spend time with the Lord for about an hour. Uh, we have a time of worship, uh, we have a time of devotion real quick, and then we spend several, about 30 minutes in prayer, then we come back for one more song of worship, and then we dismiss and go to work and change the world, but it has been one of the most powerful things I probably have ever been a part of at Radiate Church. Like it's been incredible um, and it's really just a personal moment uh, between you and, and, and God in those moments and we do it corporately. I want to invite you to come and be a part of that for the rest of the time. Uh, we'd love for you to do that and I just want to speak to the men for just a minute. Um, I've noticed a trend whenever we've done th something like this in the past and I've seen it this week that it is basically all women that show up. It is all women. I want to encourage the men. Let's, let's take our position uh, and, and let's pray. Let's spend time with the Lord and let's be men of prayer and men of vision and men with the Lord. Like let's, I know like work schedules and all that and, and that's why we stream it as well. Um, but, and that's not saying like women, we don't want you here. I'm not saying that at all. But we would love to have you with us and I think it'd be amazing. We have coffee for you. You can drink it black if you want. Like that's fine. You're weird, but that's fine. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We'd love for you to be with us for the rest of the time. It's going to be so good, y'all. I love this time together. And then the last thing I want to let you know about, Pastor Travis already said, we're throwing a party next Sunday, uh, Rock Radiate, 80s themed, right here at Radiate Church. And uh, there really is honestly no reason we're doing this. It's just we want to have fun, and we believe church should be fun. And uh, so we wanted to throw an 80s themed party, and so we're going to do that. And uh, we're going to have 80s arcade games out in the lobby, and so much other stuff is going to be here. It's going to be really, really cool. And I just want you to take a challenge with me. This is all I'm asking for from you, uh, besides being here, is um, bring at least one person with you next Sunday. Bring at least one person to Radiate Church with you this uh, next Sunday. You have your ticket right here. Uh, you may have to give 10 of them out. You can bring 10, but bring at least one to come with you next Sunday. I think it'll be an amazing time, and I'm just believing we're going to see lives change. We're going to see salvations happen. Uh, we're going to see marriages restored. We're going to see a lot of things take place beginning next week, and I want you to partner with us to be a part of that. Are you good with that? Amen. Let's get into the word today. So we've been in this series called Paparazzi talking about the book of James. And the book of James is a letter to believers that are scattered abroad. And uh, we, can, uh, we, we worded it this way that it's learning how to live our faith when a world is watching. And uh, if you really want to simplify it, it's really this. It's really learning how to become a mature Christian, a mature believer in God. And so James goes through this uh, these concepts in this letter, and he talks about, you know, mature Christians have patience and endurance, and mature Christians learn how to watch their mouths, and in today's world with social media, watch our fingers and what we push, click, and send to, and all those kind of things, right? And, and James talks about mature Christianity and all this, and so we're on James chapter 5, and I broke James chapter 5 down 
into thirds. And the first third of James chapter 5 is basically a reiteration or a revaluing of wealth in heaven versus wealth on earth. And, and what that looks like and how do you treat people like that. And one of the things that we kind of have to come to an understanding of, because there's this misconception that if you're doing well in life, like if you have money or you have nice things that you may not be the greatest follower of Jesus and all this stuff. I don't know where that started. I hear it a lot, especially in church and Christian circles. And I just want to tell you that's not biblical. That's not a biblical thought. Like Jesus nor James ever condemn wealth or having nice things or having money ever says anything about that. In fact, all they say is if you have those things, make sure your priorities are correct. Make sure your priorities are right. People will come at me every time. They're like, well, Jesus said that, the, that money is the root of all evil. No, that was never said. What was said was the love of money is the root of all evil. And so what he's saying is, is if you love money on earth more than you love salvation in eternity, then we have an issue. Right? It's a priority. You could say the same thing about if you love building a church physically on earth more than you do being a part of the church for eternity... Are you with me? There's, there's a problem. There's priority issues. And that's what both are talking about. So there, there's that. And then the second third reiterates the importance of patience and endurance. The two words we love to live out, right? We all love to have patience. And so we, he talks about the uh, importance of being a patient Christian and enduring through difficulty and persevering through uh, hard times and all those things. And then it comes to the bottom half of the last chapter of the letter that James is writing to believers. And it's this incredible conversation that he's beginning to have because for four chapters, James has really talked about external things. He's talked about treating people with love and enduring through hard times. And he's talked about watching your mouth and not saying this and not saying that. He's talked about all those things. But then he ends it. And I love the fact that he ends it with this. He ends it with this concept that we need to feed our internal spirit more than we need to worry about our external actions. And he, and he starts talking about prayer. And he talks about how powerful prayer is. And so today what I want to do is really take this, this concept that this is the most important conversation you could ever have. It's not going to be on your promotion. most important conversation you're ever going to have is not with your boss or your spouse or your kids. It's with God and God alone. And James begins to discuss this whole thing and have this conversation that all the external stuff matters, right? He's been talking about it. He's been teaching followers of Jesus about it. He's been having a conversation about it. But then he goes, all that stuff's good, but all that stuff is hollow if our internal spirit isn't taken care of too. If we don't have a connection with God and all we do is have external connection with people, then we're losing the point. We're missing the point. Have you, has anybody in here ever been to the bank and you tried to make a withdrawal for an amount that wasn't in your bank account? Y'all are like, I ain't, I ain't raising my hand. Like, I got one sister that's truthful right here in front of me. Like, praise God. Right, me too. We've all been there, y'all. It's okay. Everybody's done it. And, and why do you get, you know, that denial? Like, hey, I'd love to get $20. That'd be great out of my bank account. Well, sir, sorry, but you don't have $20 in my bank account, in your bank account. Well, that can't be true because two weeks ago I posted, I deposited $10 in there. Yes, exactly. There's not $20 in your bank account. And what happens is James is kind of using this thing. We live our lives as humans, as believers. A lot of times we try to withdraw from a spiritual bank account that we have never deposited in. 
And, 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 and we don't have time in prayer, so there's not a building up of the balance. We don't spend time in work. We got, we got three songs once a week of worship, and then we want to know why by Tuesday night we're tired and don't feel like being right. We, we, we pray when the pastor or, or, or a leader prays over the service, and then we want to know why we don't feel like we hear God's voice. We, we, we love people in the lobby, but when it comes to the restaurant, we, we, we want to know why we can't love them there. And the reality is, is because we live this life at such a high octane speed that we, we try to get our external uh, things together and polished and right. And I'm going to treat you this way. And if you need help, I'll give you help. And you need prayer. And for a certain amount of time, it feels good and it's right and it's okay. And it's because we've got this built up bank account in our spirit. But James is going, listen, if you don't get it right with prayer, if you don't spend time with the Father, if you don't spend time connecting with God, then you're going to make a withdrawal one day. And when you make a withdrawal one day, it's going to put your account in the negative. And that's whenever things begin to go haywire. That's whenever we begin to go, oh God, how dare you not answer my prayer the way I wanted you to. God, how dare they look at me that way. That's when offense sets in. Because we're in a deficit. Rather than an overflow. And God wants us to live our lives from an overflow of a relationship with Him. Doesn't it feel good when you first made that deposit in your bank account and you can go to Target and swipe that card and ain't got to worry about it? Y'all acting holy up in this house. Y'all acting like it don't even... Y'all know you do it. Right? And you like, oh, I can buy... Yeah, I can buy them jeans today, boy. You ain't got to worry about it. That's how it feels whenever I can go up and be like, you know what, I can pray for you. And it's not like, it doesn't make me feel any like mad or frustrated or how dare you take. Because we've all been there to where it's like, I ain't got time to pray for you. I ain't got time for this. I ain't got time. And usually that means that my spiritual bank account is going into a deficit. Are you following me today? And so James is talking about this stuff. And James is like, prayer is entirely too important for us to get to a point to where we miss it. Because in the, in the Western world, we can think that prayer is mystical. It's this mystical moment and this mystical event. And there's 21 days of mysticism that takes place at church. And there's this and there's like it's just or and, and if you come to church, it can feel like it's just a portion. It's like a divider between worship and the sermon. Or it's just a, something you do before you pray over the money. You know why we pray over the finances? Because I don't want one dime that we use at Radiate not to be anointed. I wanted to always make a difference. That's just something that's internally in me. And so if we're not careful, we turn prayer into this mystical moment that it's not. In fact, did you know that you can pray and never feel a single goosebump? Did you know that? You can pray and never shed a single tear. Watch this. You can even pray and it's not even like, oh, in Revelation. Pastor Chris, that's the third service, and I hit that key all three times. That was good right there. My voice is even shot on this service. Come on. I'm singing opera next week. We're going to do this thing. You can pray and not feel anything physically change about you, but that doesn't mean that the prayer doesn't work. That doesn't mean that the connection isn't there. Prayer is not mystical. Prayer is relational. Prayer is a conversation between us and God. Prayer is not some, I have to sit there 
And I have to pray like my grandparents prayed. And I have to rock back and forth. And I have to pray. I have to cry. And I have to run the chair. Like I grew up charismatic, y'all. We ran the backs of pews. Like I'm not even kidding. Like I'm dead serious. I grew up charismatic, y'all. We had people fall out when they prayed. You ain't got to do all that. Like I'm not saying that they're wrong for doing that. I'm just saying like that don't mean that you really hit prayer. Right? You... Here's what, here's what prayer is. Let me, let me break it down like this. I'm not picking on anything. I grew up in that. Some of y'all judging me right now. Y'all need to back up. <laughs> There's a word in the Greek for prayer called, I'm going to mess it up for the third service, prosikumai. Prosikumai. It's not how you say it, but it's close. Prosikumai. And it's this. It means to come towards. To come towards. That changes the definition of prayer to me. Because in that moment when it means to come towards, it's not just a moment where I sit for 21 days and I sit at a, in a chair and I kind of just, oh God, you know, I'm out of words to say and I don't know what to think and I'm just praying and babbling. No, when I come towards, here's what it is. Watch this. It's literally when I'm in prayer, I'm just taking steps towards God. I'm just going closer to Him. I'm getting closer to His presence i'm getting closer to his inhabitants i'm getting closer to his face and how many of you know that the closer you get to something the more clearly you hear the more clearly you know what they look like their character is their demeanor you can tell if they're mad easier whenever you're close than not right uh, you all the married couple said amen right but this is literally god going it's so relational i just want you to come towards me there's no, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Just take a step. Just like, I know you don't feel like it today. Just take a step towards me. Let's have a conversation. And that's why it's relational and not mystical. But I love in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 17, he gives us this idea of how powerful prayer is in our lives and what he wants us to do with it. And he says this, I want you. Now get this. This is the God of the universe, y'all. This is the God that created your soul. This is the God that spoke everything into existence. This is the God that raised dead men back to life. This is the God that healed blind eyes. This is the God that made sickness go away. This is the God that saved your marriage and my marriage. This is the God that redeems our sins. This is the God that gave His Son so that we can have relationship with Him. This is the God I'm talking about. Okay, and he says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. I want you to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. In other words, let's take the, let's take the root word, the prosecumai. Let's take that. He says, I want you to come towards me without stopping. Don't ever stop coming towards me. Think about that. The God of the universe they can do considerably more than we could ever do. The God of the universe that loves at a level that we just try to get to says every day, just come closer. Just get closer to me. Come towards me. Take steps towards me. Get in my presence. Hear my voice. Every day, how do I pray without ceasing? How do I pray without ceasing? Praying without ceasing is this. Inviting God into every moment of our life. Yeah, but I got some moments in my life I don't really want God to be a part of. And I'm pretty sure God don't want to be a part of. 
I say things that I shouldn't say sometimes. I think things I shouldn't think sometimes. I even do things I shouldn't do sometimes. Like, I'm pretty sure God's going to be like, hey, if you could exclude me from that portion of your life, that'd be great. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe we've excluded God from portions of our life that he needs to be included in so that he can change it. He says, pray without ceasing. When they cut you off on the interstate and you want to cuss them out, include him in that. Y'all know how tight it gets in here when I start using real illustrations? Like, y'all like, how you know? <laughs> right? When you're about to give your portion, your 10%, and you don't really want to, include God in that. When you treat your wife or your husband or your family like they shouldn't be treated, include them in that. And here's what happens. is the closer we get to God and the more we draw close to him without ceasing, the more things change. The more things shift. The more things look differently. See, prayer is not a moment. Prayer is not an event. Prayer is not a thing Prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer is an opportunity to have conversation with God. Prayer is this conversation that never has to end. In fact, the creator of the universe never wants it to end. I don't know if y'all are picking up on the God that I'm talking about, but he's the God that can do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that I could think or imagine. Like That's the God that wants relationship. And he wants relationship to such an extent, he never wants to be out of conversation with us. He always wants the conversation. He always wants that moment. He always wants to be with us every second of every day. In fact, uh, there's a guy that breaks it down with an incredible quote. Incredible, powerful quote. It's a guy named by the name of Robert Law. In the 1800s, he was a Scottish lieutenant and general, and he was a preacher and a writer later in his life. And Robert Law has this quote about prayer that, y'all, is just so powerful. And he says this. He says, prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven. It's getting God's will done on earth. Think about that. Prayer is not getting man's will Done in heaven. How many times have you prayed like I've prayed, right? And I'm not saying these prayers are wrong. In fact, the Bible teaches us to make our petitions known to God. So I don't think asking God for things is wrong. But how many times have you ever prayed and it's like, hey, God, hey, it's me again. It's crazy old me again, right? And like, I'm in a little bit of a predicament. And so if you could just like flip heaven upside down and flip that around into my favor and work it all out for my good. Romans 8, 28, K, love you, bye, see you. Like, we have those prayer moments, right? Everybody in the room has had that prayer moment. And it's like, hey, God, if you could, hey, God, if you will, hey, God, break me out of this. And, and what happens is we want God to make my will happen in heaven. But that's not the point of prayer. In fact, Jesus, praying the Lord's Prayer, says it like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. You know it. But then he makes this statement in the prayer. He says, on earth as it what? Is in heaven. Wow. So prayer is not my will being done in heaven, but his will being done on earth. How does God get kingdom to earth? How does God get his will done on earth? Watch this. His kids. Us. Me and you coming together, drawing closer without ceasing, 
walking towards God, getting closer to God, so that we can hear God, and we can see God, and we can be a part of God in a greater way so that everything changes. And then we can bring heaven, He can bring heaven to earth through us. I love, you know, that, that sometimes the hard part is, and we've got to understand this, prayer cannot be a last resort. Prayer can never be a last resort. It was never intended to be a last resort. It was never intended to be, hey, God, I'm in a problem. Get me out of it. That was not prayer because when we do that, prayer becomes punishment. And prayer becomes punishment because we go, God, I made a decision that wasn't a good decision. And I need you to change the outcome of the decision. And I need you to change my behaviors because my behaviors got me into the problem. And now God is nothing more than behavior modification. And so he changes everything external, but when we ask him to change everything external but never touch us internally, what happens is, is he's a behavior modificator, but God is here for heart alteration. God wants to change us from the inside out, not the outside in. And there's a big difference because we're supposed to live from the overflow, not the deficit. Let me give you this thought. And this is so like, encouraging when we talk about prayer. We can go to God. Because Jesus wants to redeem all that we are, all that we were, and all that we ever will be. God loves us so much that Jesus came on the earth to redeem, hear me, redeem, make right again, redeem all that we are right now in this moment, all that we ever were at our worst and our best and all that we ever will be in our future. He wants to redeem it so that we can have eternal relationship with God the Creator and our Father. That is how much God wants to be in relationship with us. That is how much God wants to be in conversation with us. And if we read James chapter 5, are you, get, are you guys getting this? Y'all are kind of quiet today. We good? James chapter 5, verses 16, and I'm just going to read straight through 18. There's this conversation where James begins to talk to the people and he's ending the letter talking about the power of prayer and he gives us something an action step here at radiate we're all about next steps we're all about what is your next step is it salvation is it joining a group is it joining a team uh what, what is it baptism what is your next step well James gives us a next step right here and he says this he says therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. I love how he words that. So that, do, do part A so that part B can take place, right? The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again and the sky poured rain and the earth produced fruit. Wow. Let's, let's look at those portions of Scripture real quick. In verse 16, he starts to talk about two things that take place when, when we pray. And, and, and there's healing. Watch this. He says healing cannot happen. Healing cannot happen in our lives until we learn to confess and connect. Confess and connect may be part of the issue, the reason that the same thing continues to, to irritate us and follow us throughout our lives, maybe the same uh, uh, shortcoming, the same sin, the same this, is because we haven't confessed it yet, so we're leaving it in the dark, and we haven't connected with somebody that's going to help us. Confess, confess. 
How many of you guys woke up this morning and you said, as soon as you rolled out of bed, you said, I want to confess everything I've done wrong to somebody today? Nobody. Nobody enjoys confession, right? Nobody enjoys looking at their wife and going, hey, you were right for the 763rd time today. I don't enjoy that conversation with my wife. She does. I don't. I don't enjoy walking up to people and being like, hey, you know what I did? I said a cuss word when I stubbed my toe. Y'all like, the preacher said that? Can he say that? <laughs> you know what I did? I threw the finger. They cut me off in for interstate. Nobody wants to do that stuff, do they? And I'm, I'm using external, like, silly illustrations. But James goes a step further. He goes, you can't be healed until you learn to confess. You can't be healed until you learn to bring the things that are in the darkness into the light. In fact, confession is one of the key points of biblical submission. Confession. That's why a lot of times we think, okay, I'm, I'm biblically submitted when I come to the altar. And I'm like, hey, God, I was a terrible person before you. And now I'm going to be a good person because I'm with you. And we're going to make this thing work. Thanks, God. Have a good day. See you later. And we think biblical submission is praying that salvation prayer and then going out and doing whatever we want. Biblical submission is going, when you submit to something, it's no longer about me. It's no longer about what I want. It's no longer about what I think. It's not, you know what? When God created the universe, he didn't ask for your opinion. Nor did he ask for mine. Biblical submission is the ability to go... I want to confess everything about me so that I can learn more about you. In fact, biblical submission, you could say it like this. Confession can be used as this word. It's a churchy word that I really want to break down. It's this word repentance. Repentance. Repentance is not just going to God and going, hey, God, I messed it up. Forgive me. Good deal. See you later. No. Here's what repentance is. Repentance literally means to go in the opposite direction. To go another way. So let's just say there's this, you know, uh, invisible thing that's going to trip me up right here, right? And this is not repentance. Repentance is not going, hey God, I'm about to do something really dumb. But thanks for dying on the cross so that I can get through it. We've all said it. Repentance is not going, oh well, it is what it is. I'll walk through it. Oh God, you know what? I, I feel really bad about doing that. I probably shouldn't have done that. Hey, will you forgive me? And then we keep on our merry way. See, that's treating God like a gumball machine. Repentance is literally going, hey, God, like I'm not perfect and I mess up a lot. But the reality is, is I see this thing in front of me that is not the life that you intend for me. I know what it is. I know what it looks like. It's not a biblical way to live my life. It's not how I should act. It's not what I should do. And it's right in front of me. And hey, God, I messed up. I got involved in it. It is what it is. I can't change the past. You can. So God, here's what I'm doing. I'm asking you to forgive me of A, B, C, and D. I'm asking you to forgive me of what I did. And then it's not going, I'm just going to step over it. No, it's going, I'm going a different direction. I'm going to either turn and walk this way or I'm, I'm going this path and I'm going completely away from that thing. I walk away from the things that separate me from God. And why is confession to others? Why is James so big, not just on confession of repentance with God, but confession with others? Here's why. Because we confess to God because you see things, you see dangers in the light a lot easier than you do the dark, right? 
And the Bible teaches us that God and Jesus is the light of the world. And so when we confess it to Jesus, it's like this light just shines down. It's like, okay, I know the root. I know the dangers, right? But when we confess it to somebody else, it's like this. You ever been in a room that was dark, right? And you didn't know everything that was laid out in that room. And there's somebody else on the other side of the room close to the light switch. And you look at them and you're like, hey, can you turn the light on for me? Instead of navigating through the dark to get to the light, you ask them to turn the light on so that you can navigate the room without stubbing your toe or hurting yourself, right? We've all done it. Sometimes we need somebody else to turn the switch on for us. Sometimes we need to be able to go to somebody like life groups. I love our life groups, and here's why. Because I can go to somebody, and I can confess something, and I can ask them to turn the light on for me, and they can go, I'm not here to blast you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not doing any of that, but here's what I am here to do. I'm here to listen to you and pray with you and walk with you because we're getting through this thing, and we're going to get through the light of the room, and we're going to get through the dangers together. And some of us stay in the same rut that we've always been, because we have nobody to tell us that the rut's still there. We're used to walking in the rut. It feels like sea level to us. It feels normal and it feels great and we're used to the rocks on our feet and we're used to only barely being able to see over the trench but there's somebody that needs to look at us and go, hey, you're still walking in a rut that you could be walking way up here if, you're do, if you would just do some things. Get out of the rut. Here, grab my hand. We'll do it together. That's what it looks like. And he says healing can't come with either one. And then there's this word connection, right? I'm going to go quick. But y'all got to help me now. Y'all, y'all, I need to give y'all some Red Bull next time. There's this word where he says if you do these things, the effective prayer of a righteous man. Let me just say this. When he says a righteous man, he doesn't mean a perfect man. Righteousness literally means in the right and so he, he means the effective prayers of a man that's trying to do it right or a woman that's trying to do it right. But the word effective there is this word energeho. And it means energetic, ineffectual, energetic. I love that word energetic. He gives us an illustration in just a minute. But that word energetic, football season kicked off for most of our teams yesterday, right? Yeah, and, and we watched the games, right? We cheered it on. And if you're anything like me, I'm a loud fan. And so, you know, I don't care if we played the middle school. We won 49 to nothing, and it's all good. And the whole time we're watching, I'm watching the game, and I'm over there going, yeah, let's go. And, and Nolan throws a pass. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's back. He touchdown. Let's go, baby. Right? And I'm cheering, and I'm shouting, and I'm going crazy. That's energetic, isn't it? You know what we're energetic about? Things we care about. He says the energetic, effectual prayer of a man or a woman that's trying to get it right can accomplish much. What, what, if, what if we stopped going, hey God, I mean, it's me again, and if you could, that'd be great. What if we were like, no, I know who you are. You are the God of the universe. You have, you have, you have brought dry bones back to life. You've raised people from the dead. You've healed sick people. I know the God that you are, and I know you can change this city, and I know you can change this church, and I know you can change this family, and somebody ought to be getting excited in here because he's going to do it in your life and in my life because of who he is. What if we prayed with the energy that we cheer other things on with. And he gives an example. And he talks about in 17 and 18, Elijah is a man like us. 
And he's referencing a story in 1 Kings chapter 18. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, what happens is they're in a drought. There's no water anywhere. And, and the priests of that day and the people of that day are praying to their gods, asking their gods for rain. And Elijah steps up and he's like, your gods can't do that. My God's the only God that can do that. And they're like, no, my God can do that. And he's like, no, my God can do that. And they're like, no, my God. And they're just going back and forth. I'm serious. And he looks at him. He challenges them to a pray-off. I love Elijah. He goes, hey, you pray that they'll bring fire from heaven. Pray, pray to your gods that they'll bring fire from heaven. It ain't going to happen. And then I'll pray. And I'll watch my God bring fire from heaven. And so they pray and they pray and they pray and they pray and there's no fire from heaven that takes place, you know. And then in 1 Kings chapter 18, he builds this altar. And not only does he build the altar, he goes, hey, the very thing you're praying for, water, I'm going to waste it all over this water, all over this altar. And he pours buckets of water. Just buckets of water all over the altar. And you know they're sitting there going, that's the only water we had. And there's so much water that they dug a trench around the altar and it filled up the trench, right? And that's where we pick up in verse 36, 37, and 38 of 1 Kings chapter 18. And this is the example that James was talking to, uh, uh, talking about when he talked about an effective prayer, an energetic prayer, a powerful prayer that accomplishes much. Watch this. And I, I'm going to read it like I hear it in my voice, in my head, because I, I just, man, like, I can hear the energy of the prayer in the words. It says, at the time, verse 36 of 1 Kings 18, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near. And here's what he said. Oh, Lord. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you're God and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word, God. Answer me, O oh Lord. Answer me that these people may know that you're God and that you're Lord and that you have uh, turned their heart back again. And I can just, I can hear, like when I read it, I can hear the energy of Elijah just calling out. Oh Lord God. Show them who you are. Right? Verse 38. I love this. This is so good. Elijah wins, by the way. He says this. Well, God wins, but through Elijah. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Holy moly. Holy haha, God showed up. The effective prayer, the energetic prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. And here's where I think, why I think James was alluding to this story is because he wants to teach us that in order to encounter the miraculous, we have to be willing to risk the ridiculous. We have to be willing to be ridiculous enough to go fire and water don't mix. But I am going to douse this altar in water and watch God show up anyway. I'm going to be crazy enough to believe 
that healing can take place when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to be crazy enough to believe that my, what, my marriage is on the verge of divorce, but God can bring it back together. I'm going to be crazy enough to believe that God can use a church in Northeast Columbia to spread campuses all over this state and change cities for the power of God. I'm going to be crazy enough to believe that one invite can change somebody's life for eternity. I'm going to be crazy enough to believe. I'm going to look ridiculous. But I'm going to do it energetic. And I'm going to be effective. And I'll have my heart in the right place so I'm righteous. And, 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 and I'll confess and I'll connect. Because I know, and you know, that we serve the God of the miraculous. We serve the God of the miraculous. We serve the God that's already done the miraculous. And He can do it again. And He'll do it again and again and again. If we'll risk the ridiculous. I don't know how He'll answer to prayers. I don't even know if He'll answer every single prayer the way that we prayed it. But in the great words of the great theologian Garth Brooks, Sometimes I thank God. do 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 for unanswered prayers. For unanswered prayers. Sometimes the prayer in the moment is so big, isn't it? Don't you thank God that he didn't let you marry that person in high school that you prayed for? Some of you are like, I did. Okay. Well, I'm glad he let you. I just want us to be a church that believes the miraculous from God. I want to be a church that believes the miraculous. I want to be a people that aren't afraid of the ridiculous. I want to be a people that are going to grow this thing to see a movement of God take place all over the city, all over the state, and watch lives change. I want to be a people that believes God can do everything that we can't, exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could think or imagine. I want us to be those people. So my next step today is actually really simple. I just want to pray over us that we become prayerful people. That we be people that always, without ceasing, come towards God. If you would, stand to your feet with me today. I'd love to pray with you. And if you're in the room with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd love to ask this. I do this every week. If you're in the room and you'd love to give your heart to Jesus, we'd love nothing more than to walk that journey with you. We don't do life alone here. And, and I would love, 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 if you're in that place and you just feel God kind of knocking at your heart, going, hey, it's time. Give your life to me. Let's start over. Salvation, eternal relationship is here. If that's you and you're in this room and you'd like to give your heart to Jesus today, would you just hold your hand up right where you are so that we can see it? We just want to walk it out with you. Amen. I just want to pray over you. Father, thank you. I thank you, God, that we get to be your kids and your vessels that bring kingdom to earth. I thank you, God, that we get to come towards you every day. And there's no prerequisite of perfection. There's only a prerequisite of desire. And so, God, feed us and, and, and lead us and fill us internally so that externally we can live a life that makes you proud.
We can live a life that impacts others. God, I pray right now over every person under the sound of my voice, a power and a spirit would just would rise up from the inside out of them. And God, that amazing things would begin to take place. And we wouldn't worry about looking ridiculous. But God, we would pray for the miraculous. The people that have said they'd never come to church, God, bring them here. God, the people that were praying for their marriages, I pray restoration. I pray healing. God, we believe you for great things today because we're not afraid of the ridiculous, but we believe in the miraculous. God, we love you and honor you. In your name we pray.